Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I think it's going to get even better after you hear from today's guest, Aaron Weed. We've been talking about doing a podcast together for a couple years now, and uh, it was finally time. So the first experience I had with Erin was sitting in her office in Boulder for two days sharing the stories of my life. We're talking the real stories with the goal of getting to the heart of who I am and what I was meant to do in one word, one powerful word. Erin calls this process the dig. She created the dig and has administered countless digs in her professional life and probably even more on the side in her personal life. I wonder if people, when they're talking to her, wonder in their heads, is she digging me right now? (laughs) We'll have to ask her. Um, I wouldn't say I was lost when I did the dig, like many people might be when they choose to do this crazy process, but I was unsure of exactly where I was and where I should be going. And I needed some clarity. Things were just sort of unclear. So for me, I had created an identity as the founder of Skirt Sports. And I was so tied up in my business that I couldn't see myself outside of that beautiful thing that I had created. And in fact, I had hit the point of resenting that beautiful thing I had created. And that's the last thing I wanted. So I wanted to find out who I was today. And I just needed some help. So I did the dig. Um, Erin has many magical gifts, one of which is to help people remember who they are. How powerful is that? Uh, This is no small feat, as many of us want to push some of our very important memories deep down into the darkness and pretend that they didn't happen. But in order to get to who we are, we need to recognize them, and Erin helps us bring them out And then her next magical gift surfaces. She helps people see the memories that are actually important. So those memories that we might want to, you know, bury, some of them she lets us keep buried. And there's memories that you may just sort of throw out there briefly and she may realize, ho, 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 hold on a minute. Um, That one's actually really important. It may have been really formative. So basically over two days, She creates a storyline of your life's important events, and it's illustrated by a huge amount of sticky notes on her wall, (laughs) and they're like color-coded, and it's very fun. Um, But the storyline is whittled down to one word that forms the foundation for who you are. My word is relationship. I went in thinking it would be compassion or connection. Those felt right to me. And then, you know, the truth is they are right, but they're not my word. They support my final word. And in the end, it makes sense because really everything about me is about relationships. And it just feels so comfortable to sort of, I don't know, just dig into that. So relationships with my body, my family, my community, with people I don't even know yet, Um, it became more clear that whatever I did in the future, I needed to allow myself to really embrace this word. Think about this podcast. This was a direct result of the dig. I knew that I needed an outlet to connect and form relationships, not only with my guests, but also to allow listeners to form relationships with the guests, with each other, and with themselves and to help them grow from other people's stories. So we can all thank Aaron Weed for Run This World, this amazing podcast. So now you have an understanding of the kind of work Aaron does. And today, you will not do a literal dig on the pod. She can't 
you know, hasn't figured out how to do that to the masses yet in a really meaningful way, but you will gain a new way to think about your purpose. And before we start, don't forget that you have the power to decide what you do with the special life you have, what you listen to, thanks for tuning in, (laughs) who you hang out with, the brands you support. It's a crazy busy shopping time of year and you can choose to shop local, you can shop deals, You can shop women-led businesses, small businesses. These are all great options. But when you shop skirt sports, you shop and support women helping women find happiness. Partly through Erin Weed, I've discovered the power of passing the mic to our customers and community. So here's my deal for you during this crazy busy shopping time of year. Use the code RUNTHISWORLD20 for 20% off at skirtsports.com or visit our store in Boulder and use it there. It's a good deal, and there's some good stuff right now. All right, back to the show. It's time to bring Aaron on. Yeah. Yeah. So how was the drive over from North Boulder? The drive over was good. It's crazy, though. So yesterday, the founder of The Hub, where my office is yeah. at, he called me. He's like, hey, I just want to let you know we're shutting down in a month. I'm like, what? Why are they shutting oh down? God. This is like the co-working space in Boulder. It won't be asked after uh, December 1st. And uh, basically the numbers never worked. And um, it's just done. And you know what's so interesting about it? They sent out an email this morning following up and they opened their doors in December 2012. And I was the like member one. Founding basically. member. Like, yeah. <laughs> and... Um, and I just realized the first dig I ever did was September 2012. I had Phoebe, June of 2012. So it was like the second half of 2012 was all about like, you know, this shedding girls fight back and like this new life. And like now the hub is closing and I'm simultaneously shifting my stuff to come Ooh. out a little bit more about what Ooh. I really do. And I'm just like, this is, I don't know what's going on. It just feels juicy. And like, yeah, I like it. Cool. Well, by the way, we're recording. Oh, good. We're live. Yeah, we're live. We're doing it. And um, and this, this is, is actually a really good place to start. Yeah. Because we're talking about where you are now, but before we get there, we have to kind of go back to where you were to explain like how mm-hmm. we got here and then do some cool things regarding this this word you just mentioned, the dig, which is just this like mysterious, weird word that makes mm-hmm. me feel both uncomfortable and excited at the same time. <laughs> shifting in your seat. I know, a little bit, just a little. I, everybody else is shifting too mm-hmm. out on their runs right now. Yeah. So, um, and it, it also going back to 2012, it makes me think about when we met, mm-hmm. which was not all the way back in 2012. Mm-hmm. It was just a few years ago. Yeah. But we really met in a roundabout way and you know, what I'm kind of hearing from you right now is like things happen and they make you realize how different things set off chains, chain reaction, right? Yep. Everything is constantly evolving. Totally. Everything all the time. And we, it's crazy to me how much we grasp onto what is. And it's just like, even with my office closing, it's just kind of like, okay, what, what is next? What could be better? You know, right. the, the co-working space that I work in um, is closing. And I've had that office for six years and um, it's been my home. It's been where I do all my work and everything. And it's perfect. It's perfect the way I like to work and, and it's safe for my people. And But I just keep sitting with this idea that there is something so much better waiting for me. Or maybe if it doesn't feel better, it's more authentic. It's more true for what's real and alive right now. Oh, these are such good words. And like evolution and change, a lot of people hear this and they're like, ow, ooh, don't tell me I have to change. Don't tell Mm -hmm. me change is coming. Change is hard. Change is scary. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, let's talk about change for a minute. Mm -hmm. So this is happening to you right now. This is kind of a small thing. It's just your working space. Mm -hmm. Why is it a big deal? I am very attached to space. Like I'm really crazy about interior design and space. But for me, it's more of a feeling even. It's... It's a feeling specifically of the work that I do. I I really need people to feel safe when they come in my office. I need them to feel at home, but simultaneously creative and inspired and free. I need all of that. And I will never work and do my work in a space that I don't feel that way. I love that. 
I think we should all have that. I feel like that in my little studio. Do you oh, like it? Your studio's rad. Like, it's so Nicole. Like, it's so just, it's you. It's like, really it's, it's a little crazy, but it's warm. <laughs> there's and a vac- cozy And there's it. a vacuum cleaner in the corner <laughs> totally. that never gets used. It'll never get turned on, but it sure does look good. <laughs> um, we got to talk about, like, our origin together then. Yes. And how we've evolved, because it's mm-hmm. part of your story, too. Mm-hmm. It kind of brings people to what you do. So I actually remember meeting your former boyfriend before I met you. Mm-hmm. Like at least once on a trail. Yes. What What's your version of our how we met? Well, I fell in love with you as you, <laughs> you were on the stage the night before my ex-boyfriend met you on a trail. Oh, wow. You had spoken at the Emerging Women thing. Yeah. And I just remember being like, this woman's energy is infectious and contagious, and she's hilarious. And I think you took your shirt off. I took my bra off, not my shirt. Wait, I kept my shirt on, but you had my took, bra you off You totally somehow. took your shirt off. No, and I kept my shirt on. <laughs> my boobs did not show. Your boobs did not show. But I was like, this woman is disrobing. Like, this is happening. This is how I get people to fall for me. Totally. And they did. You had them all eating out of, out of your hand. And, um, and is... I, I loved you and I loved everything about what you were doing up there and I couldn't fight this feeling. There is something more to that woman. Like there is so much depth there. And that's so amazing because here's like from my perspective, someone had told me, I was thinking about how much I enjoyed speaking and connecting with people and sharing and learning from them too. And someone had said, well, if you want to work on your speaking, there's this guru in town. Her name's Erin Weed. And I was like, Erin Weed, interesting name. I think I might like her, but it was just in my subconscious, right? Yeah. So the next day after that talk, which was pretty fun, by the way, and great energy in that Emerging Women mm-hmm. conference, good mm-hmm. Lord. Um, but I was out on trail by my house with like my whole skirt sports team. And we're, we're like yeah. eight of us walking up the trail or something. And this random dude stops and he's like, hey, I saw you speak last night. And I think you should work with my girlfriend because you you just need to be on the stage more. And I yeah. was like, I love you too now. Because when people <laughs> compliment you, you feel great. Of course. But it was enough of a little push to get me to look at you up and send you a random email. You did. I love random emails. And that's how those things But he came home from that hike and he was like, oh my gosh, you're never going to believe who I ran into. It was, (laughs) but you know, at this point, this is how my life goes all the time. It's like. But we remembered later. We had met previously on the playground. That's right. Because my child was hurt and you offered him fruit snacks. Yeah. It was snacks. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was miles. And yeah, you like. He was crying, like mangled on the bottom, like a play structure. And I'm like peeling him off. And you're like, fruit snacks. We got this. This is so okay. And I was like, I love her. <laughs> I think we've always connected on the mom thing, but also on the totally. entrepreneur thing. We just have always matched on a lot well, of Well, yeah, because like I can't stand to see people hurting. And when your kid is hurting, you know your mom is hurting too because they mm-hmm. want to stop the kids you know, tears and suffering, but you were also in like a conversation. So I just ran over to help mom a little bit yeah. <laughs> and make the situation better. Isn't that funny? I just love that you run around with fruit snacks. Well, I don't pocket. anymore like- because Wilder <laughs> ended up with like six cavities the oh first time God. she ever went to the dentist. <laughs> and he said, yeah, there's three foods for these kids that are a problem. Uh, and when kids are picky, you feed them these three foods because yeah. they're what they'll eat. Mm-hmm. And they're fruit snacks, fruit roll-ups, and dried mango. Boom. Sticks in their teeth. Insta cavity. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So Wilder's cavities definitely helped us come <laughs> together. So anyway, we um we met and I did a dig with you. Yes. Which was really interesting and eye-opening and enlightening and just like a really cool experience. And mm-hmm. afterwards I realized that like, you know, you were a guide, but everything that's inside of you that comes out during a dig, it's there. You mm-hmm. weren't creating thoughts or memories or or themes they were already there you were just you helped me pull them out and put mm-hmm. them together to make sense yeah i help people remember ooh i mean everybody knows who they are and we just get conditioned throughout life and childhood and teenage years and college from all these external forces that want us to be something different something that fits in better something that's easier and we we make these concessions throughout our life. And before you know it, we end up being whatever age we are to have that aha and be like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel 100% me. And 
I honestly don't know many people that have not had some kind of crisis of identity around not being 100% sure about who they are or what they need to say in the world. And I work with ridiculously successful, smart, wise, spiritual people. I mean, so this is not like, you know, I'm working with a bunch of lost people. It's people like you, you know, it's it's people like me. Um, and so helping people remember who they are. And I, I see my job as actually being a mirror. Ah, I don't, um, I don't feel like I'm like saying amazing things or I'm not a particularly good coach. I don't think I'm, I just see people really clearly and then I show them and then they're like, oh, I remember her. Yeah. I want to show her to the world in this way. And for some people it's a podcast or it's a speech or a book or even a repaired relationship or selling a business or Mm -hmm. I've kind of learned with the dig that it can go a billion different ways. And I've, I've just stopped attaching outcomes to it. Okay. So let's turn it around and talk about then. Have you always been a hundred percent clear on who you are? Hell no. Okay. (laughs) I'm still not. (laughs) Wow. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. So in the dig, we get everybody down to just one word. So somebody tells their entire life story and we find the one word that really encapsulates it. And for me, my one word is authentic. Now, this word is not a descriptor word. It's, it's the lesson. It's what you're here to learn and what you're here to teach. Therefore, for me, that means my struggle will always be in authenticity and my wins will always be in authenticity. Oh, it's both. It's all, it's everything. And, um, so therefore I'm really good at seeing people for who they really are. Now, in my own case, I struggle. And the way my struggle usually shows up, I have a hard time deciding what I really want. And I can be a pleaser. So what I'll do is I'll bend to what other people are asking of me. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are this way of just successful people and they can do a lot of stuff. And and so it's like you wanna like help people. And then before long, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where am I on all, all this? And when did I decide to do that? And then you have to put the brakes on and then people get upset. Okay, let's do some, let's talk about some of these defining moments where you realize the brakes had to come on and things that happened to you or that you did or other people did in your life that changed the course of your life. Yeah, I would say the main one, um, I was in a marriage. I was I was married when I was 26 and I found myself about... 10 years later, basically realizing that it, he's a great person and he was absolutely not the right person for me. And, uh, how did you realize that? Well, you know, for me, it was just so many little things. And I feel like you can answer that question so many different ways. And a lot of them, the go-to is blame or, you know, naming the thing about our partners that we didn't like, or that wasn't compatible with us. And, I feel like being on this authenticity path, I'm a real pain in the ass to be with because I am relentless about finding that new layer of truth. And it's really uncomfortable to be in in my world, I think, for some people, unless you're one of those people like you. Right, yeah. You like that. Like you uh-huh. you say some crazy cool stuff on stage. Like you're you're willing to go there. And mm-hmm. I love that about you. And um, well, it's people who have barriers that will always struggle, who put up walls, who maybe haven't learned great communication skills or haven't learned to love themselves or whatever it is. There, there are a lot of people who will have trouble with that. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. So you're taking full responsibility too for the relationship not working out. I really feel like I'm a different human than I was even six years ago. I I just. When it, for me, I kind of see the birth of my daughter, which happened in June of uh, 2012. Something in the midst of that birth, and I don't know if we want to go down the birth rabbit hole on this yeah, show. Yeah, we but should. There was, uh, I've never had an experience like this before. I, I consider myself very in the world. I'm a spiritual person, but I'm like pretty in the world. And in her birth, every time I was having these contractions, I felt like I was having like a spiritual experience. Like I was almost feeling like I was leaving my body. And I don't know how else to explain other than that. And I felt like I was just getting 
like this wisdom. So and was it because of all the drugs or did you not do any drugs, do drugs and you were hallucinating? <laughs> I, it was a natural. No, it was just happening. It was just happening. And wow. um, specifically, I so the company that I had before the, doing the dig um, was called Girls Fight Back, as you know. And um, basically, I founded it after one of my best friends was murdered while fighting off an attacker in her apartment. And this was in 2001. And uh, so I basically started this company that taught women's safety and self-defense seminars at high schools and colleges across the world. And it was crazy because the birth of my daughter, um, it happened actually on my murdered friend's birthday. And <laughs> it's just it's just one of those things, you know, that I just felt like some kind of weird portal was opened. And uh, in in these moments throughout her birth, I was actually seeing my friend Shannon, who was killed. I was seeing her, like, and I feel like something happened. I don't know what else to say. This is the first time I'm really publicly talking about it, to be honest with you. I'm sure I probably sound a little kooky, but it just is. And I feel like we need to embrace these these weird things that happen in our lives and talk about them more because there's so much truth in them. So when you see Phoebe, I mean, does she, is Shannon with her? You know, like, mm -hmm. how, how does that work? They feel like separate to me. Um, they have a lot of in common, but it, it just kind of felt like Shannon was saying to me, hey, for 12 years, you've built this company it, to build my legacy and in my honor and thank you. And you're 36 now, and this has been your entire young adulthood, and you've got this beautiful daughter. And like, what do you want to do next? And it really felt like when I emerged from that hospital, I I really felt like my entire life shifted. I I kind of um, had this feeling that my marriage was over and I was going to have to get rid of my business, which also was my identity because that was my entire young adulthood. I was known as a women's safety and self-defense expert. I mean, I was on CNN all the time. It was my thing. I read a book about it. And so I'm like, really? Like, I'm just supposed to... This whole existence is just gonna go away. And yet I felt this calm of being like, mm-hmm. It's time. It's time. And let it go with grace and love. And and that's how my divorce happened. It's I mean, there were definitely it was not always graceful and loving, but for the most part it was and still is. So I'm sort of um kind of hearing this like deeper connection to like a greater spirit or is it a voice within you or what is it what's happened through this that ignited something bigger than you it's almost like we're in our own little worlds and all of a sudden you realize like oh someone else is asking me to do this or showing me clearly that it's time to make a change. And that feels mm. kind of cool because now like, hey, I can report to somebody. Yeah, It's not just me doing this all alone all the time. Like totally. someone out there or something or some presence is giving me the confidence to mm. move forward. Yeah. I feel so connected just to the universe, to every, I don't practice any particular religion. I'm actually a, a multi-religion appreciator. I go to all sorts of religious services and um, mostly because I just like to be close to God. You know, and I, I don't even, I mean, that feels different to me. It feels like I'm close to God in nature, close to God with my kids. I'm close to God when I do my work, helping people and being the mirror and helping them remember. And I don't know, like, are we all that separate from God? I just don't think so. And I don't, I don't think there's nearly as many barriers as we think there are. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, I actually don't, I want to go back to who you were before the you know defining experience with Shan Shannon mm -hmm. right yeah your roommate and starting girls fight back like this is horrible this is a disgusting horrific thing and we kind you mentioned it because it's important in your journey but maybe we should share a little more about who you were beforehand mm -hmm. and what happened and who you became after yeah well so she was younger than me so I had already graduated actually I was living in New York and um, she was finishing up college at Eastern Illinois University, which by the way, if you're not from Illinois, it's like in the middle of a cornfield in the middle of nowhere, yeah. you know. Um, so it's not like uh, air quotes, unsafe place, you know, whatever that is. But um, so I was living in New York and I was a TV producer. I'd always wanted to do documentaries and 
just be a storyteller and get to the truth. It's not that different than what I do now, right? And so I'd been living out there and um, yeah, she, she was just sleeping in her apartment one night and a guy broke in and we later found out he's a serial rapist, serial killer, been um, committing crimes for years. Many women had tried to prosecute him. He was protected. Um, he was How? A, he was a Marine. Oh, so I didn't know that part. Yeah. And so uh, I actually met several women who over the years had brought charges against him and were silenced and shamed and their lives were ruined. And um, yeah, it, it was rough. So, but I call it girls fight back because she fought back. You know, can you imagine like waking up in the middle of the night, you're oh all alone God. and just some huge guy who's a Marine, you know, in your room who you don't know and right. you don't know if you're dreaming. Yeah. Like what a messed up situation. Oh and uh, so he ended up killing her. But boy, did she fight back and she collected all the evidence and she actually knocked a credit card out of his pocket with his name on it. And so he was really easy to find. But I'll tell you for I would say until about last year. I would have nightmares about what she endured. And I just couldn't quite find a piece with it. And I talked to a medium. And um, and I didn't really have an intention of bringing that up, but but it just came, it came up right away. Like I was, we're just doing the niceties. I'd never met this medium before. We're Why'd on the you phone. go to a medium? I don't know. I've just, I just, um, actually at the time, uh, the Discovery Channel was making a documentary about her murder. Okay, yep. Yeah, and so it was just bringing up stuff. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't even gotten to the point where I was like making a request. Within the first 30 seconds, the medium cuts me off. She's like, I'm sorry, but someone's screaming at me and their name is Mac, Mac, Mac. Now, she would never know this, but Shannon's last name was McNamara. And we all called her Mac. Um, not online, not public. Just crazy. I just started crying. <laughs> and uh, she was like, she only has one message for you. She wants you to know she was taken before she felt any pain. Whoa. She felt nothing. Oh my God. And I mean, I, I wept. I'm not much like a crier, but like I wept like I've never wept because, and I never even knew how much I'd been carrying it. And just, but to know that was so freeing and I, it just felt true. Oh my God. It just felt so true. And, and the woman, this medium didn't even know what she was talking about. She was like, you know, she's obviously dead, but like, I don't, what happened, you know, she had she no did- context whatsoever um did you share that information with her family or was that too awkward or how did yeah i'm super close with her family her mom is like my second mom and i did share it and and they did find peace in it oh my gosh um wow okay so why did we bring up going to the medium oh yeah (laughs) because i'm crying and listening and i'm sucked in i know i know it's heavy too and like it is um you know, it was, yeah, but, but I mean, that's what happened to her. And, um, but because, because of that, she, her life inspired, we, we reached over a million people at live events over a decade. Wow. So me and a team, not just me, um, I trained a bunch of girls fight back speakers and we were out. And how did you learn to be a speaker and be the leader of an organization? I mean, did it just come naturally? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I was 22 when I started it. And um, I didn't mention that three months to the day that she was murdered, and I was living in New York, and uh, three months to the day of her murder, 9-11 happened. Oh, wow. And I commuted to the World Trade Center every day. And so that particular day, I hadn't left for work yet. So I was at this place in my life where I was like, Okay, so basically everyone's getting murdered that I know. <laughs> like her in I mean it just right. it felt and obviously that's not true, but like it, that's how it was feeling in my world. Like the place that I commute to yeah. is blown up. Thousands of people are dead. Our country was in like a massive pla- you know, state of fear. Total. Yes. This this dear friend of mine was gone. My whole college community, my sorority cuz Shannon and I were Alpha Phi sorority sisters together. Um like everybody was just a vulnerable, broken, grieving mess. And it was kind of the perfect time to start a company like Girls Fight Back because everybody was so wanting to fight. Like, this is not okay. Right. And so. And it wasn't even so much as fight, but just like find a way to feel safe. Yeah. Safety, power, anything. Yes. I mean, you felt like a cockroach, right? Like just about to get squashed or stepped on in. Uh, especially living in New York at that time because it was all the terror threats and 
you couldn't ride subways and it was just a crazy time to yeah. be in new york and so i was like well first things first i just need to learn how to defend myself to your point because i wanted to feel safe again mm-hmm. and so i started taking classes and then those programs were like do you want to get certified i was like sure that'd be cool next thing you know i'm like training with all these different systems getting certifications from all of them and i was like you know these college women don't currently have any programs shannon and i never got any training in college and i feel like the programs that are out there they're taught by like you know usually men and and nothing against that most of my mentors have all been men um amazing mentors but you know it's hard to see yourself in them and you know i was like i was a sorority president like these girls will listen to me i know how to make them laugh i know how to speak their language i know how to dress the way they dress like i am them i'm just a slightly older version of it and so i put together this program after getting all the certifications that was like half stand-up comedy and half ass kicking because i knew i had to make them laugh you know like these speakers that go into college programs and they're trying to like be all serious and come on you got to like entertain people you got to meet them where they are you got to and I just knew that intuitively from running a sorority of 140 women. Right. And then um, I gave the first ever Girls Fight Back program uh, shortly after all this had happened. It was very concentrated. And um, it was like a ballroom of a thousand people back at my university where Shannon that was killed. Huge. I know, like first <laughs> speaking engagement ever. And I was just like, well, kind of out of my hands at this point. I just got up there, I did my thing. I video recorded it. And then I sent it to an agent because I was like, I want to do this more. Like this was fun. I think it really helped them. And the agent like signed me on the spot. It was, it was a very different time. There weren't as many wow. thought leaders. and. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. So, so then you grow this organization for over a decade. Yeah, 12 years. It took off. And then um, when, I, when I started having kids of my own, obviously you don't want to be the college speaker who's standing up on stage for 90 minutes being pregnant because like every woman in the audience is like, Oh my God, my worst nightmare is staring at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know how like when you're scared you're pregnant, all you feel like you see oh is pregnant God. people and yeah. you're like, ah! <laughs> you know, so I was like, I have to eradicate myself. And so I trained this amazing group of women. I actually found them on Craigslist. They were actresses. And I figured um, from experience, at first I was like, maybe I'll find martial artists and train them to speak. But then I realized that was flawed. I'm going to find actresses and train them to fight yeah you know like because the stage presence i can't teach nearly as much as the fighting stuff and a lot of the martial art really trained people i was finding there's amazing martial artists all over the world but like the ones that i needed they had to be young they had to be very stylish they had to speak the lingo Mm -hmm. they had to like almost be sorority-ish yeah in the sense that they were just really approachable and energetic Mm -hmm. So I found the actresses to be. I love that. Great. And so I taught them to speak, taught them to fight, sent them on the road, and go ahead, babies. I think that's actually a really <laughs> cool concept, though, uh-huh. about, um, and yes, that was funny, but um, <laughs> about like uh, about how you are looking at something a certain way. Mm-hmm. This is one small part of what you just described, but you were looking for martial arts people because that's what you thought the most important skill you needed was and that you could mm-hmm. teach a different part of it. When I started Skirt Sports, we, a lot of companies look at what's out there in athletic clothing and then try to make it cute. Mm -hmm. But we immediately knew that we needed to look at what looked cute and turn it athletic. Yes. And so there's just, when you can start to switch the way you view things and turn your mindset upside down, you can often tackle things that seem like barriers in a different way. Totally. Isn't that cool? You just gotta meet people where they are sometimes. You know, it's like even the work I do now. It's just well. Let's talk about the work you do now. Yes. Okay. So I wanted to open up with like, who are you and how do you define yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Because what do you do? Mm -hmm. You know, we've touched on all these different things that you've done or that you're doing now. But like, what really is it that you're doing out here in the world? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I I feel like I'm helping people unearth their purpose and then share it. You know, so it's kind of the internal looking and creating a safe place for them to do that. And so how do you help people unearth their purpose? 
Well, I mean, I do it through the dig, this this process of getting people to one word. But, um, you know, the how of, of it all, it's, it's creating the safety. It's allowing people to be who they are, asking about their life story, which is a big part of the dig, is I get their whole life story out on sticky notes. And I learned so much. You know, I'm a total vault for people. I'm crazy about confidentiality mm-hmm. and things. So they just know I can just throw it all down here. And then we just start finding the meaning in it with those truth words and we find their operating system. This this way you've been operating since you were like five about um, the things that are most important to you and how you show up in the world. We actually don't change that much. Our situations change, our circumstances change, but we don't change that much. We can grow and evolve, but our fundamental operating system stays pretty much the same. And how, so do a lot of people who think that they need you or have lost who they were like why why do we lose why do we forget who we are yeah I think we are conditioned to belong I also feel the people around us are conditioned to have us belong I know in the mom community you know when maybe we have a child that isn't totally fitting the mold I've done the dig on uh, several moms who have transgender children and it's like, what do you do when your your four-year-old is coming to you and saying, you know, I want to dress like the opposite sex? And and so there's almost this conditioning of parents to be like, no, protect the child by making them fit in. I don't want them to have the bad experience. Or the other choice is to fully embrace their authentic self and feel the repercussions on the other side. So I feel like we've been conditioned at such a young age to both belong and protect other people from not belonging. And is this fear-based? Probably. Yeah. Fear-based, I mean, hey, I mean, there's actually scientific links. I learned this from another dig client whose word ended up being belonging. And she gave this amazing TEDx talk um, that was all about the scientific wiring for human beings to belong. Because way back when, when we didn't have the society we have now, if you didn't belong to your tribe, if they outcasted you for some reason, you're dead. You don't have access to food. You don't have access to safety. You're going to get eaten by something in the forest, you know? Or Yeah. So point. to not belong is to die. And we still have that wiring in our brains that feels that way. Now, the, the consequences for not belonging now are much less dire. Death is probably not guaranteed. But, but it does happen. There is, there is a piece of us that dies when we feel that rejection. And mm. so... People, depending on their personality type, will go to different degrees and lengths to make sure they belong. You know, I would challenge, though, that in some cultures, death is mm-hmm. a possibility if you, you know, claim to disagree with a greater opinion. Totally true. Yeah. Which totally is true. Depends. freaky. Yeah. I mean, that's such privilege that we have, yeah, right? Living in Boulder, Colorado, to be able to say, hey, I can like be who I am no matter what that is, and I'm probably yeah. not going to die for it. And believe in my own politics or religion or food choices or whatever. Right. Romantic partners. Yeah. I mean, just the, oh, yeah, it's All crazy. It. Mm-hmm. So um, we, you mentioned this word, the dig, and you've kind of done a few little, uh, given a few little descriptors of what it is. Let's just describe what the dig means so people really understand. Mm-hmm. Well, can you tell me what your dig meant? Well, I was going to actually have you <laughs> let me be your mirror and dig you. <laughs> okay. I don't so, know. I feel like I'm losing perspective. <laughs> I know. I see? did a whole webinar on it this morning, so I'm almost like digged out at the moment. Well, and that's what's so great about this is that see, you still can lose some perspective, oh, and you're time. the perspective bringer. Yep. I love it. Well, for me, I will. I will share, you guys. I um, did the dig with Aaron a few years ago, maybe three years ago. Yep. And I was at a time where my whole identity was wrapped up in skirt sports, and. Um, I really felt like there was something greater that I wanted or needed or should be doing, the whole should, right? Mm -hmm. Shoulda, shoulda. And I didn't know what it was. And I was losing a little bit of a grip on, again, who I was now or then at, you know, 42 or 43 years old, um, different kind of person than I was right out of college or 10 years after that. And I wanted to reconnect with myself. So I came to you specifically because I had a draw towards the speaking world. Mm -hmm. And I knew you were kind of billed as 
she turns people into badass TED talkers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in fact, I would probably say one of your defining moments was coaching the great Ash Beckham, Mm, who became an incredible client, one of the most listened and viewed speakers ever. Um, And so she's now, I claim, a friend of mine too, and has been on the podcast. You guys need to listen to her episode again. She's amazing. She's so amazing. Um, But uh, so I came to you for clarity. Mm-hmm. and something, I didn't even know what it was, but something that might help trigger a new direction. Mm-hmm. And um, and we did exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. What you're doing right now, which is nodding and going, mm-hmm, and being very calming and making me feel safe. <laughs> and you pulled stories out of me. And memories and stories that I didn't realize were important, you knew immediately were important to my story. Mm-hmm. And if you go, went to Erin's, uh, and you can still walk by it right now until they close the hub, but you will see sticky notes on her window and they're in different colors and she's got this cool system. And when she hears a gem, she sticks it on the wall. Mm-hmm. And after you're done a day of sharing your story, you, you, know, the, you sleep on it and you write about it. Mm-hmm. And you have to do that work too, even though part of me wanted you to write about it, I had to do it. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta sucked, own it. But it was good. Um, yeah, and then the next day we put it together. Mm-hmm. And it does come down to one word. And we were able to get it down to one word. And my word is relationship. Mm-hmm. And that that word is very important to me. And still, of course, a few years later, sets the foundation for all the things that I'm doing now. But what came out of that was new directions. Mm-hmm. An opening of my mind that I can exist side by side from my business neither have to fall apart for the other to exist. Mm-hmm. And if I want, I can be more involved in my business or not involved in my business and I could explore new parts of me like this podcast. Yeah, well, you're exploring the relationship of you and the business, exploring the relationship of you and communicating with the masses through the podcast. So it's like, you're you're always gonna rock at it and it's always gonna be your struggle. Right. It's just managing relationships and boundaries are probably a thing for you and you know, Oh, just just the constant ebb and flow and evolution of people and things and opportunities and keeping it all straight. That's a relationship struggle. Absolutely. And I hadn't really thought about it that all your greatest successes would be in this word or this word would form the foundation for that mm-hmm. and all your greatest struggles. It's all of it at the same time. But it has. Uh, mine comes back to the core being my relationship with myself and my own body mm-hmm. as an athlete. Mm-hmm. That's one of my core things that you know, rides waves, right? Of love and acceptance. Totally. Or battles. Yeah, it's all of it. Yeah. And you've been such a teacher in this. Every time you get up on a stage, I mean, you're helping people improve their relationship with themselves, with their communities or their work. Or I mean, you've really bravely talked about your relationship with your husband, you know, and your child and being a mom. I mean, it's really healing for people. Well, and what, you know, a word that we've mentioned through this process is the word truth. And it's a little bit of a buzzword now. A lot of people are, it's it's about sharing your truth and finding your truth and learning your truth. What is a truth? Like, why is this word so important right now? Yeah, it's so funny because I just came from a meeting with my internet marketing strategist, which I completely suck at, by the way, because I want to use words like that. And he's like, what does that even mean? Like, in, I was like, you're right. It's such a personal thing, what truth is. For me, I see words as just being placeholders. You know, I don't get too wrapped around the axle about which word do we choose? And that's why I frustrate that guy so much, (laughs) the internet marketing guy, because I'm like, you know, I feel like people feel stuff. You know, it's like, okay, so your word is relationship, but it's not relationship. It's relationship is the best word that we have to be a placeholder for the unique shining star that Nicole DeBoom is who has never existed before and will never exist again. But it's the closest thing we got to name it. So I'm not attached to the word. It's just the best thing we got. Yeah, that's true. Good. And that true. is everybody's responsibility, <laughs> by the way. Like if, if I can just get a little preacher lady on it right now, it's like, I feel like we have a responsibility to be our unique selves. And it doesn't mean that we have to consider ourselves special per se. Like I feel like specialness carries some kind of entitlement, but I do feel we have a responsibility to be uniquely who we are. So when are we not being unique? Because this this was interesting. I remember Ash struggling with this in one of our, where she was crafting a new speech. And she was saying like, 
I'm still being my same unique self when I'm angrily honking at somebody and I have to allow myself to embrace that I'm being unique in the moment even though I might not like myself in the moment. Right. Right? Yeah. Is that the point? Yeah. Well, and you know, my my TEDx talk that I gave last year was on this exact topic. I feel there is a big difference between transparency and authenticity. So transparency is whatever's happening in the moment. It's just, I'm just saying my truth, right? Maybe you're angry and maybe it's it's just facts, right? But that's not always the most authentic thing. So I know Ash tells stories a lot about her road rage. <laughs> like, that's really funny, yeah. actually. They're hilarious. <laughs> and so, okay, like let's take a road rage example because I'm sure we've all had at least some version of that in our life. So it's like, okay, just like kind of honking and hollering at someone. Is that our authentic self? Probably not. That is us being transparent and the fact that we're having a, a reaction in that moment and we're expressing it. But the true authentic self is, like I have to go pick up my kids after this from school. And if I were to run late, then I'm gonna be that woman honking and freaking out at somebody because my authentic drive is I don't wanna be late to pick up my children. And it's because I love them and I wouldn't want them to feel scared. But then there's also a little blame because you could have left five minutes earlier mm-hmm. and avoided the, the traffic. So we're all wrapped up in all these emotions Angry about yourself. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Totally. Well, let's talk more about your TEDx talk. I totally forgot. I mean, I didn't forget, but it wasn't top of mind because of everything else you're doing right now. Um, it's pretty powerful. And you you have coached so many people to be up on the stage. Which, by the way, like, no pressure, right? I have coached hundreds of Uh TEDx and TED speakers. And I remember, like, rehearsing that before and being like, OMG, like, if I get up there, (laughs) I completely (laughs) drop the ball on this. Like, this is professional suicide. And then I realized, you know, there's so many stories we tell ourselves, like, that are not serving us at all. It's like... How am I even like make myself remotely better thinking a thought like that? Right, you're not. And I learned a lot for all the years I've been on stage. I learned a lot around that TEDx talk about managing the voices. Like, ah. like we're not going to do that. That's I'm sorry, you're not welcome at this table. I have a speech to give, and it's actually a really important one to me. It's part of my evolution. And uh, so, and I was the last speaker, which is in my opinion, the most nerve-wracking thing in the world. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like a four-hour event. It's the anchor on a relay. I mean, the pressure's on. Totally. (laughs) Everyone's falling asleep in the audience. you got to turn it (laughs) on. Finish it off strong. But it was a great experience, though. It was really good. Well, you talk about managing the voices, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, We hit points in our life where our energy ebbs and flows, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if this is about managing the voices or if it's about managing our 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 chi or whatever you might call it right your your inner light um i remember when girls fight back you'd been doing it for a really long time and you were starting to feel the drain of your life force being sort of sucked out a little bit because everyone that was there wanted to share something really difficult and you were the one they got to share it with so Mm -hmm. you took all of that dark energy and they felt better when they walked away oh yeah it's because i took it off their plate and what'd you do with it uh stored it inside of my cells until i almost had a complete meltdown and what (laughs) happened at this meltdown like i don't i'm really curious because i think people listening this is the stuff that they're really like struggling with they're like i'm Mm -hmm. feeling weird or heavy or burdened and i can't tell why yeah well it could be because you're a very empathic person and when you hear people share something you're actually drinking it up like a sponge and a lot of times when people come to me they want to start sharing their message in whatever capacity i know that's the thing they need to know they don't think that's the thing they need to know how to manage energy how to manage when you start putting yourself out there and then people come to you as their savior their teacher their hope how do you manage that? How did you manage it? Did you get through that? Did you like bonk completely? I didn't, I, I mean, that's up for interpretation, I suppose. Yeah. But the way it manifested with me, I developed an intense anxiety disorder, like intense to the point where my entire body would shake. It was it was physically coming out of my body, twitches, um, just, just skin inflammation stuff. Like just, at events? Um, I actually have given entire Girls Fight Back seminars having a complete panic attack. I got that good at speaking and performing 
that no one knew. Wow. And that's when I was like, okay, most people can't do this at their best. And I just did that like at my worst. And it was almost like I'd gotten too good at what I did. I'd almost become like a machine in some ways. And so um, I started just with therapy and counseling and uh, just knowing that I had anxiety problems, searching Google, trying to figure it out. I didn't really want to take, I didn't want to take like a lot of, you know, stuff. I'm just, my body doesn't work too well with substances. I'm not against substances, you know, if they help you. But I was just knowing on a deeper level though, that I, there was something happening inside of me that wanted my attention. And if I could shift the relationship from, oh, this anxiety thing is slowing me down to like, this anxiety is like shaking me by the shoulders and trying to tell me something, you know? And it took me years to really get to the bottom of it, but I learned how to manage energy. So how did you learn that? Because you've actually told me that I need to learn how to manage it. Yeah, I tell most people who get attracted to me to work with me <laughs> because it's, it's you're, an em- you're an empath, clearly. I mean, everybody you meet, you fall in love with and you just want to help them and you're thinking about who you can connect them to and how can I design something that's going to be great for their body? I mean, like, you, it, that's what your beauty, right? And that's also the challenge. So I'll just I'll just tell you my journey, <laughs> since your audience already thinks I'm like a wackadoodle, probably. But um, well, so now I, since you just used that word, they really think you're a wackadoodle. <laughs> wackadoodle. Like you're definitely a mom. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I started off with traditional therapy. It just I wasn't jiving with my therapist or something, and she was just kind of just pushing me down a very traditional path. And I was feeling like there's something else going on here, and. So then I um, do what all normal people do, and I go on Yelp to find a psychic. Right, that's normal. <laughs> because but I yes. bet some people are raising their hands right now, like I'm done it, I'm done, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> and I went to this amazing woman. Her name is Julie Cobb. You can totally look her up. And um, she gave me this awesome reading, and just but what she kept saying to me is, "You've got to heal yourself. Like you've gone so hard, so long, so fast, and you're an empath, and you cannot sustain this. Like this will." make you sick or kill you. And, um, and I heeded her warning. And so I was like, okay, I will go heal myself. And I hang up the phone and I'm realizing what the hell does that mean? Like, what do I, like, what does that even, cause you're like, I'm walking around, I'm seemingly healthy from the outside. What's wrong with me that needs healing? But you knew something wasn't right. Something wasn't right. So I called her back the next day and I was like, Hey, I know I like acted like I knew what that meant. but I actually have no (laughs) idea what that means. How do I heal myself? And she was like, well, I learned how to heal myself at Psychic Horizon Center. It's in Boulder. Yeah. And I go to their website. And um, the the first thing I saw on the website was class starts Tuesday, how to heal yourself. I'm like, okay, guess that's what I have to take. So I signed up for it. And I know the whole psychic world and that word can be really polarizing for people. But really what it comes down to, the word psychic means in spirit. We're all in spirit. So um, I went to the class and all it taught was energy management. How to put a bubble around you so you can still be in a room, but you're not like taking on people's stuff. The grounding cord and golden, golden sun meditation that I teach all my clients came from Psychic Horizons because it's all about letting go of stuff that isn't you and doesn't serve you and filling up with what is you. I do that all the time in this work. So I learned a bunch of things and that started really this whole journey of wanting to discover more and and what I found is that the anxiety started to subside the more I stepped into my truth and in my case me stepping into my truth meant basically shedding my old life and there's fear there but there's also resonance you know that feeling like when you're like okay this might not be what I would design for myself and it's true Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's power. And when we're in resonance, even when it sucks, the nervous system relaxes. And the more we spend time in resonance, the less anxiety can live there. And then, I mean, I don't have it really at all anymore because I'm just, I have to have a daily practice of being in resonance with my truth. Otherwise, I my system is so sensitive at this point, I just can't. You're right. You I can't know. be in anything inauthentic at this point. And you know your signs. And that's the key, too. And you almost have to go all the way through, to use a sports term, to bonk like dramatically, you know, to mm-hmm. almost hit the finish line and you're just on the ground and can't move another inch from one minute to the next. Like just a, you know, serious 
and then you can go back and you can be like, what were the signs? What was leading to that? If yeah. I had done this sooner, maybe I wouldn't, yeah. And so a lot of times we, we, uh, we feel bad when we hit that bonk, mm-hmm. when we get all the way there, but we often have to get there yeah. in order to figure out how to avoid it in the future. Totally. Oh my gosh. So, you know, when you talk about signs and symptoms that manifest, um, when I remember you sharing this with me, like when your marriage was ending and you were, you said you had to shed your old life, like all this change was happening at once and you started to experience like, um, stomach flu or just like serious vomiting like i called it the purge oh six months of middle of the night full evacuation (laughs) like but every two weeks like clockwork and it got to the point i mean i had an infant so it got to the point where i'd be up in the middle of the night just like barfing like my brains out and all the while breastfeeding an infant and i did it with ease you know it's just it i got so good at it I went to every specialist you can think of. They couldn't find anything. And then, right, as things started clicking into place and I really started putting the truth into action, everything calmed down. Wow. It was like from fall of 2012, right around the time I did the first dig, it started. Uh And then it it stopped the following spring. And, And then I, that's when everything was starting to go into action as far as selling the company, leaving the marriage, basically melting down my entire life which by the way sometimes people hear my story and they're just like listen if that's what I have to do to step into my truth I'm not interested (laughs) and here's the reality I had that was my fault that it had to get to that point because remember my word is authentic so I will go to great lengths to preserve something that's inauthentic in order to make it comfortable for everyone so I created that right I don't know that everyone does that. I, I don't think most people do it to the extent that I do it. So that was my journey, but that doesn't need to be anyone else's journey, you know? Yeah. Well, it can be though, or it could be worse, or it could be, it's just different. Everyone's different. It's just different. Yeah. And either you're willing to be open and curious about what is the most authentic version of yourself or you're not. All right. So who's willing to be open and curious right now? I would say everyone listening to this podcast is because that's why they're here because they're curious that's why i put on the podcast because i'm curious yeah and i want to hear the stories about incredible people who are making change in the world so are you what's going on with the dig that we need to share with people Mm -hmm. so that if they want to get involved Mm -hmm. they can go through this wonderful process right yeah totally. and um, come out the other side with some new clarity yeah well you can go to the dig.com and if you sign up at our email list there, I actually do free live online digs. I just did one today and uh, it was my, actually my first one today and I loved it. So I just want to do it more often. Okay. So who'd you do it on? I, I, I uh, facilitated the dig for this guy named Henry, okay. who I met through the Unreasonable Institute, which is a nonprofit that I think it's now called Uncharted, but um, they basically work with social entrepreneurs around the world to help mm-hmm. them build their social enterprises to change the world through their business. And Henry is a British dude who felt called to Columbia to start a school for children there and teaching a lot of empathy and what's considered soft skills, but really mm-hmm. the most important skills. And so he lives in Columbia and we, so we, it was so cool. We had, he was like the diggy and then we had people from Cambodia and just all over the world joining us on this live dig and people were digging themselves on sticky notes and sharing it on Instagram and, and it's totally free. I just want, I want to share the process with people. There's five steps to it. And like, I have no, you know, sometimes people are weird about their intellectual property Mm -hmm. or like, I don't want to like publicize it. I'm like the opposite. I'm like, can everyone please dig yourself and dig each other? Because this world would be so much better. And uh, so I just want to give it away. And then if people want to do a group, I curate groups of eight. You can fly to Boulder. We can do the work there. Yeah, come see me when you come out. You can come work with me Mm one-on-one. I also work with people on Zoom. So because a lot of my clients are international and... uh, yeah. Well, and are you doing the are you doing Avosa Live again? I am on the fence about it. Mm. I I just had a, another request today. So people people love it. Avosa Live is a 
event that I've put on for the past three years. Nicole has spoken at it. I was it. one of the founding class That's members. Right. And actually, many of you have listened to my talk on uh, positivity. And many of you will remember my Iron Man story and the smiling part and all that stuff. Well, that event was put on by Aaron. It's amazing. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a cool event. And basically, Avoso is about taking these people who have done the dig. That's a prerequisite. Mm-hmm. But taking them through the process of turning it into a message and a short 10-minute speech, helping them get the slides together and actually delivering it, speaking their truth in front of a whole audience of people. And then we record the whole thing and... And a lot of these people want to become professional speakers or it's part of their job. And so, yeah, we've done that for three years. And, um, and yeah, I don't know. It's a really, it's a cool event. But, yeah. okay, so let's, we're ro- rolling down on time here. And I'm yeah. thinking we should ask our listeners to, you're going to have time to pick up the kids. Yeah, like I have to go in like a minute. Okay. We're going to ask them one quick thing to do, which is do you guard people against trying to pre-think what their word is? Or do you think it's interesting to pre-think it because then after you do the dig, which we're gonna encourage them all to do, see mm-hmm. what your word really is. Yeah. So we could have them share on totally. social media here. Totally. When I'm the at Aaron Weed, and you could totally uh, send me what you got. Yeah. And, um, and, I'll, and we'll have them post it when they listen to the podcast. Yeah, what's your word? And I would just challenge everybody, even the first thing that comes to you, uh, ask yourself what's on the other side of that. Like a woman posted on Instagram after the webinar. She's like, I finally got to it and I'm really upset that this is my word, but I know it's it and it's vulnerability. I was like, maybe, but what's on the other side of vulnerability? You know, sorry. Um, that means I have to get my kids. <laughs> but like, what's on the other side of that for you? And love it. that's probably going to be the, the clue to your word because what's being asked of you from the universe is you need to be vulnerable to get there. So in, okay. a, in an actual dig, I, I'm able to kind of like, move away those kinds of blocks in a facilitation doing it yourself you know you need that those questions that come okay last final question that i ask every guest who comes on the podcast Mm -hmm. if you could give our listeners one last final piece of advice one nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger Mm -hmm. and better way what Mm -hmm. would it be um i would say hmm i would say that you have no idea how beautiful the most real version of you is. And if you don't believe that, like, borrow my belief. I love it. I do it for a living, I swear. Awesome. All right, now you get to go pick up your kiddos. Okay, bye. (laughs) I'm back, everyone. All right, how many people want to get dug right now? I'm assuming a lot. Even though it can be painful, it can also lead to such amazing things. Um, You can connect with Aaron on social media. Just search Aaron Weed and you will find all the cool things she's doing. So one of the things we just asked, and I think it's kind of fun, is post your word. What you think your word is on social media and tag me and at Aaron Weed. Make sure you tag both of us. Um... Post what you think your word is, write it down, but then challenge yourself to go one step further. And as Aaron said, what's on the other side of that word? Like mine, I thought were compassion or connection. It wasn't there. Those are the things that lead to the next thing. And the next thing for me was relationship. So if you think it's one thing, push a little further to see if one final word does surface. For more on Aaron Weed, I highly recommend that you check out Erin's TEDx Boulder talk. She mentioned it today. Imagine the pressure of the speaking coach putting herself out there to speak. Her talk is everything she helps other people be. She's open, honest, vulnerable, and powerful. She's both transparent and authentic, which she talks about the difference between those two words in the speech. Uh, you can find a link on the show notes or just search TEDx Talks and find Erin Weed. And finally, take a breath and absorb Aaron's final nugget. You have no idea how beautiful the most real version of you is. And if you don't believe that, borrow her belief and mine too. So there. All right, beauties, on that note, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. 
Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.